And remember that we are not descended from fearful men. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Five, four, three. The Kellen and Alex Show. Zero. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The Kellen and Alex Show. Kellen and Alex Show. Jocelyn, welcome back to the podcast. Hell yeah. We're talking war. <laughs> war. War. And this, this is kind of inspired by um, the debate we did. This house believes that the American experiment has failed. Um, a very interesting debate. Uh, it So it pat, sorry, it failed. So the motion failed. It was 40 to 46 in terms of the vote. Uh, I gave a speech on the American empire. Alex, you have a big, um, big, you're a very big advocate for the American empire. It's huge. I mean, Jocelyn's got the American <laughs> flag behind her. So <laughs> I have two American flags in here, actually. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of the Syrian civil war. Crazy. Which many people have no idea about. Like yeah. when was the last time? Okay, and America is directly involved. We've been directly involved since the beginning of it. Yeah, United States has been involved with Syria for a long time. It's crazy. Middle East in general. Um, so my speech, I basically drew the distinction between America the Republic, which was our early days, and uh, the ideas of freedom, liberty, with its own people. Um, and then you have these developments throughout history that progressively push America into the global stage. And because we were the victors and holding the economic bag, basically, we were the, the lenders to the European nations throughout World War I and World War II, and we were victorious, we basically uh, gained an, a, a global empire militarily, which we still maintain. And, um, and then through a series of proxy wars are continuing our, our global empire. And I argued that's not the experiment of the founders. Uh, <clears throat> the experiment of the founders was definitely not create another <clears throat> British empire, yeah. which they were getting away from. That's a really good point. And I, yeah, it's interesting because I don't think the founders could ever even conceive of the global empire that we do, that we do have now. I mean, it's crazy. We have control of so much of the world and its interests. Yeah. I mean, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, all those guys, they would have, I mean, they would just be, if they were living in this America today, they would just be like, just, I don't know. Don't totally surprised. Totally They'd be surprised. Like, oh, we have a $3 trillion a year, a year wow. military that has global control. I mean, they, we put the British Empire to shame. Yeah, we right? do. <laughs> um, Hashtag Minutemen. Yeah. Man, 10 years Syria has been at war. That's right? Crazy. Syrian refugee that crisis. So fast, man. And, um, you know, sparked by different reasons. Their president um, was Assad, right? Yeah, it still is backed by uh, the Russians, right? Mm. Um, so I wanted to bring in also uh, this this work by uh, a U.S. general in World War One, very well decorated, uh, Major General Smedley Butler. So a little bit about him. He was born in Westchester, Pennsylvania, in 1881. Um, he was awarded two Congressional Medals of Honor for the capture of Veracruz, Mexico in 1914 and of uh, Fort <laughs> Riviera in Haiti, 1917. And he served throughout World War I as a Major General in the Marine Corps and retired in 1931 <clears throat> and was a Republican candidate for Senate in 1932. So he was pretty well you know, respected in the military world, right? He publishes this work and it's it's only like a it's a very short it's like 12 pages. You could barely call it a book called War is a Racket. Hmm. 
And uh, it's it's very it reads much like a general's work. But I, I wanted to read a few quotes from it. War is a racket. It always has been. It is possibly the oldest, easily the most profitable, surely the most vicious. It is the only one international in scope. It is the only one in which the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in lives. Oh, oh, oh. read that. Read that. Read that again. That last yeah. part. Yeah, it's it's the only one in which the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in lives. Wow. <clears throat> War is a business. That's what he's saying. Which is which is wild, right? Because yeah, I mean, but you can reduce it to that because it's the acquisition of land, and in our global financial system, it's um, you know, lending out different money to war. So take like World War One, for example. Uh, well, he brings it up. I'll just let him say it. He's a lot better at saying it. A racket is best described, I believe, as something that is not what it seems to the majority of the people. So if something's a racket, you're like getting taken along for it. Mm-hmm. Only a small inside group knows what it is about. It is conducted for the benefit of the very few at the expense of the very many. Out of war, a few people make huge fortunes. In World War One, a mere handful garnered the profits of the conflict. At least 21,000 new millionaires and billionaires were made in the United States during the World War. Wow. That's Jeez. a lot. Dang. That's wild. That many admitted their huge blood games in their income tax returns. How many other war millionaires falsified their tax returns, no one knows. Uh, and then he goes on saying, how many of these war millionaires shouldered a rifle? How many of them dug out a trench? How many of them knew what it meant to go hungry in a rat-infested d- dugout? And he keeps going, how many of them were wounded or killed in battle, right? Mm-hmm. So the profit in war. <clears throat> so you're thinking about the armaments industry, the um, munitions, armaments, all different types of stuff for soldiers, innovation stuff. Those guys are making mass profits during wars, right? And they actually have an interest in the country going to foreign wars, right? Dang. That's crazy. Yeah, that that's wild. That whole kind of mindset of let's go this place and start a war or <clears throat> engage in this already war. It's crazy to think. I don't know. If I was talking to a veteran face to face and I told them, I mean, I don't know how I'd feel if I said war was a business because I would feel like I'm almost disrespecting their opinion, right? Because... Maybe if you're saying, okay, war is a business, well, I might not completely understand what that veteran went through, mm-hmm. so I don't really know the full situation. But as you were saying, it's like an acquisition of land um, and all sorts of different other things that global interests and all these different things. And so it is crazy to think, and it's crazy to say that we would say war is a business, but to some, to some extent, it is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of sad to look at it that way because I feel I feel almost disre- disrespectful to other to people who have served. But in the grand scheme of things, it kind of seems that way, especially mm-hmm. in the American Empire. But it's also funny too because, like, I mean, so both my parents being in the military. I mean, for people who serve in the military and who do fight and all these different things, like, I mean, I don't know how it is for people who are actually like on the line, but I mean, like. If it's a business, you would think that those veterans and all those different people would be more taken care of and well, more like paid, you know, which is hilarious because it's like those people that are keeping us safe, that are giving us the freedom are the people that are being almost the least respected, you know, 22 veterans die a day. 
Yeah. 2022. He talks about this. Yeah, and too. it's crazy because you would think if like, I mean, yeah, I mean, saying that it's a business is such a sad thing because in a, like, in a historical and literal sense that maybe like that's how it's supposed to continue. But in such a like Christian moral sense, like that's sad. You know, like, you're giving no value to life at all. Um, yeah. Especially, you can reckon it in dollars. That's his point. That's, that's ridiculous. But yeah, it's funny if like if it's going to be a quote unquote business, then why is the people that like why are the people that are on the line like doing those things like not given any credit almost i mean like the people who are like true to history and true to know like what the veterans go through actually show them respect but it's crazy how many people don't actually do that i think it's important also to take into account how the world has changed though mm-hmm. because we're in in the 2000s now we're not fighting a war where all these nations go to war and for the for the safety of the world. You know what I mean? We're not like, we're not seeing Germany and France and all these other countries go to war and millions of lives being lost. We're not seeing that. We haven't seen that in a long time. Well, there's thousands and, of lives being lost in there's, Syria. There in are. A year. Yeah, there are. Likewise in Yemen. Likewise in, so war has never left us. Even yeah. since like Smedley Butler's time. I think the magnitude though has got less, has lessened um, if we were to take as a comparison to World War II, where 50 million people lost their lives, like we're not seeing wars like that today. But I think that also I think that contributes to more of the idea that war is a business now. Because take a look at after World War One, the United States wanted to be isolationists, right? They didn't want to get into any more wars. We don't want to do that. We're 3,000 miles away from Europe, anyways. So it takes forever to get over there. <clears throat> but be, times have changed. And now we're in this age where we're sending people over there, mainly to Iraq now. I mean, there's no wars in Germany or France or anything. To the Middle East, we're sending people. We've had an influence over there in a long time. Let me see. But, yeah. Let me see if this will answer your part of it with. Like, why are we still in these wars, maybe? Or or that it's not to the magnitude. Ma- not to the magnitude, yeah. yeah. Well, he says, yes, and what does it profit the nation? Take our own case. Until 1898, we didn't own a bit of territory outside the mainland of North America. At that time, our national debt was a little more than a billion dollars. Then we became internationally minded. We forgot or shunted aside the advice of the father of our country. We forgot George Washington's warning about entangling alliances. Hmm. We went to war. We acquired outside territory. At the end of the World War period, as a direct result of our fiddling in international affairs, our national debt had jumped to over $25 billion. Our total favorable trade balance during the 25-year period was about $24 billion. Therefore, on a purely bookkeeping basis, we ran a little behind year for year, and that foreign trade might well have been ours without the wars. It would have been far cheaper, not to say safer, for the average American who pays the bills to stay out of foreign entanglements. For a very few, this racket, like bootlegging and other other underworld rackets, brings fancy profits, but the cost of operations is always transferred to the people who do not profit. So the idea is here, once you get, so we loaned all this money to France, England, Germany, all this different type of stuff. Now we're, if they're in debt to us and they get conquered, they can't pay their debts. And now we have to go conquer their enemies. Who makes the profits? The World War, rather our brief participation in it, has cost the United States some $52 billion. 
figure it out. That means $400 to every American man, woman, and child, and we haven't paid the debt yet. Mm. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll skip this. So he, he talks about you know how much money it takes to uh, all the different companies that made tons and tons of money off of this, um, profits. And uh, I want to get to this one other part. Uh, yeah, 4 million sets of equipment, knapsacks, things to fill them, crammed warehouses. Um, who pays the bills for this? Who provides the profits, these nice little profits of 20, 100, 300, 1500, and 1800%? We all pay them in taxation. We paid the bankers their profits when we bought Liberty Bonds at $100 and sold them back at $84, $86 to the bankers. But the soldiers pay the biggest part of the bill. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe this, remember, he's writing in 1939. Okay. It, this is before World War II. He's just talking World War I era. Oh, gotcha. If you don't believe this, visit the American cemeteries on the battlefields abroad or visit any of the veterans' hospitals in the United States. Mm -hmm. On a tour of the country in the midst of which I am in the time of this writing, I visited 18 government hospitals for veterans. In them are a total of about 50,000 destroyed men. Men who were the pick of the nation 18 years ago. The very able chief surgeon at the government hospital at Milwaukee, where there, were, there are 3,800 of the living dead, told me that mortality among veterans is three times as great as among those who stayed at home. Mm -hmm. And even afterwards, it's like if they're not killed out like on the line, then the depression rate, the suicidal rate is like, oh, it's insane. It's so crazy. And like, you know... I guess the question I have is like going back to your your thing about the American experiment and everything. It's like the main reason we came to America was for freedom and for a new sense of well-being. Right. Like and I don't know, like, of course, you know, coming here with the Indians and everything's like that, like they weren't crazy about us being here. And so it just like and then the civil wars and yada, 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 like there was a sense of war. But like, why are wars still continuing? Like why? I mean, granted, we have such great, I mean, my dad works for Lockheed Martin, and so we have, like, some of the craziest, like, you know, missiles and everything else there. So, like, people don't dare mess with us. Um, but it's, like, why why are wars still a thing? Like, why why are they, like, like, what does that do? What does that help us with, like? Is I it think I think it's Satan at work. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I do. Yes. I think, I, I'm serious. I think. Not just like the war in our hearts, obviously, and mm -hmm. the, the strive to be good moral people, but I think Satan has like a serious hold on like foreign affairs. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy. He does. Smedley, it's greed. Smedley Butler just says profit. Yeah. So yeah. it's immensely profitable. I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, I mean, thousands of cases, that's a part of the bill. So much for the dead. They have paid their part of the war profits. So much for the mentally and physically wounded, they are paying now their share of the war profits. Mm -hmm. But the others paid, too. They paid with heartbreaks when they tore themselves away from their firesides and their families to don the uniform of Uncle Sam, on which a profit had been made. They paid another part in the training camps. Mm -hmm. They paid for it in the trenches where they were shot and where they shot and were shot, where they were hungry for days at a time, where they slept in the mud and the cold and the rain, with the moans and shrieks of the dying for a horrible lullaby. But don't forget, the soldier paid part of the dollars and cents too. And then he goes into the part of like, basically, they paid the soldiers almost nothing. And then mm -hmm. what they did pay them, they forced them to pay like, uh, to buy Liberty Bonds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and insane. they don't get much. It's changed a bit now, but um, 
yeah, he talks about like, yeah, we made them buy Liberty bonds at a hundred dollars. And then when they came back and couldn't find work, we bought them back at 84 and $86 soldiers bought at world war one, $2 billion worth of bonds. <sighs> so remember a bond is just a loan to the government. So instead of pocketing that money, they gave the bond to the government. But when they came back, it was worth less than what they had originally given to the government. So not interest. That's so messed up. It's extremely messed up. Yeah. I'll, I'll just do this one more and then we can talk about it. Yes, the soldier pays the greater part of the bill. His family pays too. They pay it in the same heartbreak that he does. As he suffers, they suffer. At night as he lays in the tr- lay in the trenches and watch shrapnel burst about him, they lay home in their beds and toss sleeplessly his father, mother, wife, sisters, brothers, sons, and his daughters. When he returned home minus an eye or minus a leg or with his mind broken, they suffered too, as much as and even sometimes more than he. Yes, and they too contributed their dollars to the profits of the munition makers and bankers and shipbuilders and the manufacturers and the speculators made. They too bought liberty bonds and contributed to the profit of the bankers after the armistice and the hocus pocus of manipulated liberty bond prices. And even now the families of the wounded men and of the mentally broken and those who never were able to readjust themselves are still suffering and still paying. Oh, definitely. I'm not saying this stuff. This is Smedley Butler, who's war, a U.S. Well, general. War is an eternal struggle. Oh, it is. And it's 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 kind of neat <clears throat> to hear that he also recognizes that it really affects, like, so many other people than just those who are fighting. Like, and, and, like, even in just that moment, that affects them for the rest of their life. It affects the families and everything else. Because, I mean, granted, my parents weren't actually, like, online and whatnot. But, like, my dad protected the secretary of the air force and like he would have to take trips on end and be gone for weeks and like i just always remember like you know when he would go to iraq or go to those different places and us have to be like you know praying back home that everything would be all right and you know and like him protecting such like high-end people like everyone's against them and everyone wants them dead because like the military and then also Lockheed martin even still to this day him protecting the ceo like everyone wants them dead you know on the op- opposing end and so it's just it's crazy how much it does affect, like, yeah, the family and all the other people who, like, respect veterans, you know? Like, it's it's just crazy because you being um, in D.C. and living there for so long and just, like, all the monuments and, like, you know, everything else, like, you can't help but be moved with, like, sorrow and all of this, you know, whatever there. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> Isn't it insane how people think, oh, we need to help our veterans, but we don't think, like, why are they being why why are they getting all this ptsd like why are we sending them to all of these foreign wars no one people talk about the after effect Mm -hmm. it's like you already got third degree burns now let's figure out what ointments to put on you it's like why not how about figure out why you got a third degree burn yeah right like yeah why are we sending thousands of soldiers to go fight in syria or to be in yemen or and and you take it historically i i get you know maybe now it's 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 not as bad maybe than korea or vietnam Mm -hmm. era or whatever but I don't know. It's so strange that we, we as a society say, oh, let's help our veterans. But no one thinks like, why don't we just not create new veterans that are war stricken? I think it's pride. I think the United States has such a profound sense of freedom that that means we have to translate it to every single place that we go. No, I mean, it's true, right? I mean, that's what it is. Why can't we just leave Syria alone? Why don't we just leave Iraq alone? Why don't we just leave Afghanistan alone? Well, is it part? Let them kill themselves. Like, I'm just saying, that's that's what it is in reality. Let them kill themselves. Let's stay away from all that. Well, is it I don't because, know. like, 
is it because that like America is so free and that we almost have so much going for us that like everybody else in the world almost hates us because of that? Like, is that like, cause like, well, I mean, we're, we are like, if they don't provide favorable trade deals to the United States, then we invade. It's like, just that, ridiculous. That was Iraq, it's right? ridiculous. I mean, you did have nine 11 mm-hmm. and people wanted to, you know, revenge and all this type of stuff. And a lot of people signed up for that, for that very reason. But we took over Iraq basically within like a few days and uh, just stayed there because we were continuing to extract resources. We had dominate, we dominated the area and we had the, uh, the backup of the, you know, we, we were banking on the American people supporting it because of nine 11. Well, that's another question. Like, why don't we have more resources resources? And like, why, like we have enough stuff on like in this country in order to supply, like, why do we have to depend so much, for example, on China that where every single thing that we owned is made in China? Like, why? Why is I that a that. thing? Like, My why? dad told me. No, the other I mean, they're day. committing like, genocide right now. I'm, I'm going to stop. It's, I'm going to stop buying Chinese stuff. But then that means you will own almost next to nothing, because if you look at every tag in every place, it's it's mostly China. And I understand that, like, you know, unfortunately, it's like the factories there and stuff like that. Like you can go like girls talk about this all the time of like going to the mall. And, like, you have, like, really cheap clothes, but you can tell that, like, they're made in, like, those poor countries because they put, like, those kids and those, like, old, like, people to work because they know that they could pay them next to nothing Mm -hmm. to be able to do all this work. And so the quality is horrible. And, like, you know, I'll hear rich people, like, complain about the quality, but it's, like, you're paying for somebody to be, like, You're paying for slave labor. Not, not. Like paid well at all. <laughs> it's true. You know, you it's say? like so. Why? Why do we have to depend so much on the other countries? Except or- for today. Today we went to TJ Maxx and we saw something made in Bangladesh. Yeah. Is that an exception? <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, it wasn't made in China. Although Bangladesh is the poorest country yeah. in the world. So. Yeah, that's true. It yeah, wasn't. I mean. It wasn't made in China. But like, why? Why can't we just use the resources here? And like. I know that people like I've asked this question before and people have said that like, oh, well, it would cost a lot more for it to be made over here. But I'm like, why? Like, why? Trump's big argument was that other countries devalue their currency to the point where it makes it impossible for you to do clothing in this country. I mean, that was one of his like big points. But at the same time, that doesn't give you license to just do all your stuff in China. Yeah. It's a yeah. All these questions are interrelated right and i think the thing that people they they get some of it they either get like oh my goodness why are we invading all these countries and they get that part other people are like why are we importing so many things from china and so dependent on it other people are like well why is our national debt so much and why are we you know entangled with basically Mm -hmm. the world they're all like one problem right or one one big issue which is this global military dominance that we have we spend $3 trillion a year to maintain a global empire. We have a number of proxy war areas that have continuously be, been fought over or occupied. And currently it's been the Middle East because we need all the resources there and oil and stuff. And any countries that we need their supplies that they decide not to participate in trade, then there's different ways to overthrow the governments. There's the CIA, there's mm-hmm. direct invasion, there's pressure and sanctions. Um, and so... So take, for example, North Korea or Iran. They're completely off the grid from us. But every other country has this like variance, right? So that's and then that provides for a like a a global 
trade and global economic financial system that we're all interrelated and interdependent on, on each other because we have military dominance and no one's no one can beat us. We're just like the best, right? Yeah. By far. Like Russia will be on the other side of stuff, but it's just kind of like uh, a show of force. There's no way they can actually mm -hmm. dominate and they're okay with that because they're they're making investments. But so, it's almost like we're only the best simply because we've reaped the benefits from the other countries, which like I Correct, yeah. <laughs> like, which I hate that. Ouch. I hate it so much. Like, we're free, but we're also not at all. Selfish. You know, we're also like, yeah, selfish bastards. Like, it's, that's just ridiculous. That's Medley Butler saying as well. That's absolutely Yeah, ridiculous. it's, so I brought up in my speech, um, <laughs> doesn't he talk about it too, that a racket is something that most people don't know about. That's why he calls it a racket, that war's a racket, is because... What, what he talks about as well with World War One? how do you get people to give their life for the country? Mussolini actually is extremely clear with it. He said, um, do you know what Mane Frego? <laughs> you know what that means? What does that mean? And it, I don't give a F, right? Yeah. Um, Ma, Mane Frego. Oh, Mane Frego, yeah. Yeah. I, so I he uses fuck, yeah. that phrase. He says the, the purest form of the fascist idea is found in the phrase of the dying Italian soldier who says, you're dying. Do you want, you know, what, what what's your last thing you want to say? And he just said, Mane Frego. Mane which frigo. is basically, I don't give an F, right? I've been to Mussolini's house, by the way. Have you really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's dope. So it's crazy. It's got that's big the highest symbol. expression of like what you want. Your, your soldiers are just dying for the country and they're dying for the brotherhood, right? So there's a number of people who are making immense profits off of defense contracting, mm -hmm. off of all sorts of different things. The United States uh, nations are making tons of money off of loaning out and then winning wars. Well, you need soldiers in the trenches. You need soldiers who fight all of it. How do you convince them to do that? Now, we've continuously increased benefits and college mm -hmm. and all these different things that seem to proportionate your life's value, which mm -hmm. is, when you start thinking about it, it's just so absurd. Yeah, it um, is. But... <laughs> But we're making it more and more proportionate. You may die in the line of battle, whatever. Um, and uh, but but you also need kind of like a reason why. Why are we here? What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, my dad is extremely into like military history stuff, and he really likes looking at like Iraq, Afghanistan era mm -hmm. stuff. And the common thread through most of those guys' thing is like, why the hell are we here? Hmm. And there's never one really good answer. Interesting. Are we given? Oh my gosh, I hate saying this. Are we giving them freedom, you know, liberty? Are we giving them democracy? Are we mm -hmm. fighting for, what are we What are we doing? Oh, I'm here for my brothers. Like that is actually a very clear expression of this kind of neo-nationalist, neo-fascist, whatever idea is you, you fight for your brothers, right? If there's an ethic behind it or a reason behind it, you kind of ignore it. It's like, I'm just here to make sure he comes out alive. Yeah. People will say that, right? Well, that so doesn't really like, tell well, you why, why you're at yeah, war. Yeah, it's like, well, then why is my brother in this, you know? Why are we, why are why, we both in Why this? am yeah. I making sure that he's going to be staying alive? Like, why did really, we come yeah. to shoot yeah. random Taliban guy in yeah. the middle of the mountains? Which I is also... The, let, just let the countries crumble. I mean, I mean, like, let them... I mean, the I mean, do we not participate in their crumbling? We do, yeah, yeah all the time. Okay. But let them figure out their own thing. The United States need to stop needs to stop being so obsessed with bringing absolute freedom to every single country. Once well, again, I we're not bringing we, freedom yeah, to anyone. Yeah, we're not. Well, because, no, like, for there's example, no yeah, idea. No, of what like, I'm yeah. saying is like dominance that allows right. us if they're favorable to us. What mm -hmm. I'm saying is trying to do that. 
Like, well, why I, try I to bring that? I would say that we're trying because, for example, like if everything comes from China, the reason that we like buy from China or trade with China and everything else is because simply it comes so cheap and it comes like because like they they put to work people that they don't pay well that they and so it's convenient to us it's all about convenience which is like you could totally see in like our world today it's everything's just about convenience what's this easiest like quickest thing you know and it's funny though because remember with you and um that guy who was trying to like get your information for like the sports and stuff like that from like the navy or whoever else it is like mm. it's hilarious because they the try yeah the recruiters they're trained because like my parents were talking to me about this again being in the military as like again there's almost no reason why so you have these like recruiters who are really trained in like being able to like persuade you into thinking that there is a reason why simply so that you will sign up and go with it you know which is just crazy because like i have quite a few friends who are in the military and then my parents were in the military. So I have, I have a pretty military background, but it's just crazy because yeah, I mean, especially our world today, like who would want to be in the military right now, you know? And again, for that sense of freedom, like there is no freedom in that. He he was writing, so Smedley in 1939, uh, he asked the question because like all these countries have built enormous militaries. And he just Mm -hmm. says, there are 40 million men under arms in the world today. It's 1939. And our statesmen and diplomats have the temerity to say that war is not in the making. Hell's bells. Are these 40 million men being trained to be dancers? (laughs) It's like, okay, do we want it? We have like, what? I don't even know how many millions, three million soldiers in arms right now. Like whatever. Um, And all the world's, you know, are continuing to train tons and millions of soldiers. Like we're, we have continuously had wars basically since world war one to the present Mm -hmm. day. And we don't we don't talk about it. Uh, we don't. No one talks about it. Ten years of civil war in Syria, and and I, I hopefully maybe I could even put it up on this video of the graph of like all the different players in this. I mean, did you see it? I, I put it in the the messages, but uh, the U.S. So there's ISIS in the middle. Yeah. There's the U.S. fighting ISIS. There's Russia fighting ISIS. There's Russia supporting the Syrian government. There's America mm. supporting the Free Syrian rebels there's this other group there's hezbollah there's other islamic groups and they're just like all they're all and they're all just destroying this piece of historic country Mm -hmm. syria which is one of the most historic like places in the world Mm -hmm. and they're just decimating it for what so they have something to do and so so they have you know they can show their military dominance um russia and the u.s can have some proxy war um the Syrian people can be sent in refugee camps all around the world. Uh, Europe can feel good about itself for receiving refugees and same with the America. Like, and no one sits back and questions like, why? Yeah. Why are we doing, why are we doing this? Yeah. And it's just it's like, just cause, cause again, I think the world is just so obsessed with just convenience. Cause like, again, having, having military parents and then going to like military events. So like, you know, for veterans day or something like that, when we have like a big celebration and it's common for all the veterans to get together and, you know, we'll have like parades or we'll have like different ceremonies or we'll have these big people will come and talk. And like, you know, for my parents, we'll only stand up when the air force veterans are called and we'll like sing the song and everything else. Right. But it's like, the people that are there are only the veterans that are like celebrating this time. And it's like, there's so many other people that I could talk to. And like, nobody almost knows anything about what's going on with veterans or what it's like to be a veteran or like that, you know, that lifestyle. And it's crazy because yeah, again, it really comes down to like the why and nobody knows about it. You know, not, not even the people who are veterans or in, who are in that, you know, place. But again, like, 
you know, it's sad to see how many homeless veterans there are, how many, like, you know, they're just, like, they're not cared about. There's nothing happening with them. And it's just, like, they they go through so much for almost absolutely no reason, you know, um, which is just so sad and so crazy that we're just, like, it's all about convenience and, like, we're only going to do what's most convenient for us and what's most easy for us. And, like, if if it's not part about it, then we don't care, you know? And we won't we won't sit there and question why we're doing it. It's just like, oh, because why not? American materialism and consumerism is one of the ways to ensure the support of the military empire. I mean, and ensure that like we're in trade deals with China and whatever else, like continuing. So, I mean, if we stop trade with China because they're committing genocide against the the Uyghurs, uh, Mm -hmm. Muslims, I probably pronounced that wrong. Uh, we wouldn't have an iPhone 13 coming out, you know, uh, whenever it does or whatever, right? Uh, but why does our that matter? Whole, our whole economic system would be completely transformed overnight. Yeah. Right? Likewise, if we pulled out of our interest in the Middle East and they went back to actually, you know, hating America and, and not trading with us, then um, we would have to switch to EV cars extremely quickly and get rid of oil because we would be going broke. Like. Yeah. Um, the reason we're so unbelievably affluent is is because of it's it's related to this, right? It's it's intimately related to this. Mm-hmm. You can't separate the two issues. You can't separate and say, well, our our military interests are completely different than our economic interests. It's like it's it's one and the same thing. It's a military yeah. economic interest. It's, yeah. So, I mean, why else would we spend three trillion dollars on it if it wasn't worth yeah. way more than that? So it's kind of like. You know, pre-World War One, America, even Gilded Age, and well, before that, I don't know. It, it's hard to trace where you could you, you could say the start. America was, you know, we still had Manifest Destiny. We still had some foreign assets like the Philippines, Cuba, uh, parts of Mexico. Well, we took California and Texas, right? But uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we <laughs> swallowed the whole of having an empire once World War One happened, we just haven't looked back. And I brought up my speech that the American people still believe in the principles of the Republic, right? That the ideas of liberty, um, the ideas of um, rights enshrined in law, the idea of a subsistent America that works for the people and all this type of stuff. But we're an empire now. Like the rules have completely changed. Mm-hmm. The experiment has completely changed. We're in a new experiment. That was my my argument. Mm-hmm. And it is crazy that people don't have the historical perspective to like understand that. Mm-hmm. There's like bits and uh, you know some flash ups of understanding in mm-hmm. some occasions where people are like, "What? Why are we in Afghanistan again?" Yeah. But and then it just goes away again. But it's funny how, like, the debate that we had, right? For example, like, so many people, um, like, opposed it, yeah. you know, which I was just so confused by because, like you were saying, there's almost a new experience that experiment that's happening. And, like, how I, like, I highly doubt that what's going on in the world right now is what the founding fathers had in mind, you know, morally or not, you know, because we talked about them not being, all, not all being Christian. But, yeah, it's just crazy, you know, like, this, I don't believe that this is what the what the original American experiment was set out to do. Um, which again, it's like going back to what you were saying before, like there's so many people that seem absolutely clueless. You know, they don't know the answer why. They don't know like what the true American experiment is. They're just like, oh, I'm just here for the ride. It's free here. And, you know, why not keep continuing with, you know, just our normal lives? Like nobody cares. They just go on with what, you know, their fun lifestyles look like. They don't like 
think about like, why am I here? Why do I have this freedom? You know, and like, you know, in comparison to like, yeah, the people in China who are, you know, in factories and being put to basically almost like slavery, you know, um, and being put to work like that and being abused. It's just like that. That just makes no sense. Switch up. <laughs> Switch up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's almost like you can't avoid it, too. You know? Yeah. It just seems like I don't know. It just seems like these different foreign affairs are just so big for somebody to change. I don't know. Yeah. That's what the person <laughs> asked me in, uh, at the debate. Mm. Oh, remember that? Like, should we just surrender all of our foreign assets? Mm. <clears throat> I forgot you about that. remember my reply of it? <laughs> what was your so reply? Uh, so he says, should we, should we completely let go of all of our foreign assets that we fought hard to acquire? And oh, did I just, I said, uh, I go for it. Oh yeah. You know? uh, d- um, Something with Saruman, right? Was yeah. <laughs> Should Saruman dismantle the Orokai? <laughs> <laughs> that was my reply. Oh, that was so good. I mean, it's a fair example. Saruman, right, builds the, the fighting Orokai <laughs> to fight Sauron, who's, uh, you know, p- powerful and is going to conquer the world. And so Saruman wants to ally himself with Sauron mm-hmm. and Mordor, right? And he sees through the Palantirs, you know, all this stuff. And Gandalf comes to him and is like, you can't do this. This is just evil. Like, you can't build a huge military just because you're fearful that someone else is going to conquer you. Like you can't just take these evil means. Mm -hmm. It's like, same thing. Like, should we dismantle the American empire? It's like, well, I mean, you, he asked me because China's doing all this stuff. Right. And it's like, should Saruman dismantle the Urukai? It's the same problem. It's like Gandalf trusted in the good of man Mm -hmm. that could conquer Saruman. Saruman didn't trust in that. And, um, he ended up being destroyed. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of, the workings of divine providence is is Tolkien's thing. Now you could say that's too idealistic and it's stupid and it's silly and stuff like that. But okay, well you're arguing with Tolkien and not with me, so I'm, I'm happy. Oh well, so what? Like, it's it's so good to talk about all these things, right? But it's like for us and like whoever's listening, right? What do we do about it? Like, what you know? There's we can't have these big major things change because we're so dependent on it. And like people like us, I mean, there's only so much that we can do. So like what do we do with this knowledge? Like what should it be like encourage a more of an awareness of like the reason why is it should be like, yeah. And uh, encouragement of like, I don't know whether it's the veterans or just supporting them more or whatever else. Like what, what do we do now? Like what, with this knowledge, like what next? Because obviously we can't change these big things and how dependent we are. So what, yeah. What next? I don't know. Um, I don't really think that there's a realistic what's next right now because you can't really you can't really um change something that of that global mass that quickly. I don't know. I, I think that I just don't know how important it is to keep an eye on global assets and like trade deals and all these different things. Because how much of our American economy benefits from those things? All you know of I mean? it. All yeah. of it. <laughs> We're so. all involved in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't not be. I mean, everything is just what part would that, of this global trade. What would that mean for our country if we just we drew, withdrew all of our assets, our global assets? Great question. I have no idea. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a really good question. Because, I mean, like, for example, if we were to just withdraw from, like, China itself, every single thing that we have is almost made in, like, almost all of it's made in China. Like, we would just cease to have almost, no, like, nothing. 
You know, like you look at the bottom or like the tag of anything and it's all made in China. You know, like we like we would just almost like cease yeah. to exist. You know, we wouldn't have anything to supply anything, which is just so sad because like, I mean, I don't know anything about like what the what America's lands are like and like what we have to supply. But it's sad how much we truly depend. And then like like, if they don't give us what we want, then we're like, oh, well, let's kill you then. I feel like we're one of the most prosperous countries in the world. I don't know why we would have to depend on China. The only reason why we depend on China, cheap I think, labor. is because of cheap, cheap. That's it. Yeah. But why can't we figure out a system where we pay a little bit extra to be on our own soil? Well, no, well because then everything it's, wouldn't be so cheap. Yeah. Everything would be so much more expensive because, the, I mean, I don't know how. You wouldn't have much, much stuff. But how, yeah. though? What, what what goes into that? What what would be more expensive and how would it be more expensive? Everything. What, everything. But why, though? But why would it because be more expensive? Because do you know how much they pay? I mean, they pay next to nothing. For those laborers to make everything that we own. So we have to open up more factories. We have to open up more work areas. How much does that cost? Oh, so much. Yeah, because the American won't, won't well, we won't employ children, which yeah. they do in China and no one cares about. Yeah. We also have working hours. Like, you, you can't work more than 40 before you start doing overtime pay. Yeah. Um, we also care about humane conditions. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, like, so Foxconn, the major supplier for Apple, has you know enormous suicide nets outside of their their things because their conditions are so bad, right? Yeah. Suicide nets, right? Oh, gosh, can't even imagine. Um, so so, you- so all those things would drive the cost astronomically, and then instead of your iPhone being a thousand dollars, now it's five thousand dollars. Yeah. And also all the resources that we import, if we didn't have our our favorable trade deals, would just fizzle out, and then we would have to pay what they demanded for the resources, which will also drive the price up. Think about that, though. Why why do, do we have stuff made in China? Think about it. When we see our phone designed in California, made in China, like, why why did we go to China in the first place? You know what Maybe I mean? We just told you. It's because the, the cheap labor. Right. Because nobody's but what I'm saying is, like, is why China? Why can't there be some other place... Well, it doesn't, ma- doesn't even make any sense anyway. Because anyways, China's but- the place that has the cheap labor. Okay, so China has cheap labor. Is there no other country in the world that has cheap labor? Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Yeah. Uh, Philippines. Mm-hmm. Indonesia. Yeah, Indonesia. Can we, develop a si- can we develop a system in the United States where we have cheap labor? Well, that's the thing is like Alex was just saying. Not because, like, not like them, yeah. yeah, because we care so yeah. much about like, um, yeah, humanity or whatever. Well, care so much about humanity. So well then that means but, that it would be impossible anyway, right? So why okay, why do it we would, it would be impossible mm-hmm. to have the same results mm-hmm. if we didn't have the cause of cheap labor globally. Mm-hmm. So meaning there would be a drastic decrease in the American economy, the ability of the American people to purchase goods mm-hmm. and um yeah and the and the the goods would be way more expensive than they are now because they'd be produced by Americans. Do you believe that the American economy and the American idea is too dependent between other, on other countries? (laughs) Depends on what you mean. The American idea is. Yeah. Also just a side note, all the like made in the USA companies and all that stuff. A lot of the times the made in the USA stuff is also sourced from materials globally. Right. So it's, it's like, you're still participating in it. Yeah. I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about the Syrian civil war. Just so we have some like maybe real life example of what's going on now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the main belligerents. Who are the ones fighting this war? The Syrian Arab Republic, which is the Bashar al-Assad. 
Hezbollah, which is the like kind of terrorist group, Lebanon, um, Iran, mm-hmm. Russia, and Iraq, the Iraq government. What a mess. Uh, there's <clears throat> also the uh, interim government, the Syrian opposition, Turkey, <clears throat> with the support of the uh, Salvation government, whatever that is. <laughs> also, the, there's ISIS. Islamic State of Iraq and Levant. <clears throat> and there's also the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria, the Syrian Democratic Forces. Uh, and it doesn't mention on here, but yeah, the United States as well. There's a U.S. coalition along with it. Um, yeah, let me let me see if I can get all of them all in one place. Uh, yeah, so they've been fighting since 2000. Uh, let's see. Unrest in Syria, which began on March 15, 2011, as a part of the wider 2011 Arab Spring protest, excuse me, grew out of discontent with the Syrian government and escalated to an armed conflict after protests calling for Assad's removal were violently suppressed. So it started with that, and then all of a sudden, a loose alliance of mostly Sunni opposition rebel groups, uh, including the Free Syrian Army, <clears throat> And the mixed Kurdish Arab Syrian Democratic Forces and the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant all started fighting each other. (laughs) A number of foreign countries such as Iran, Israel, Russia, Turkey, and the United States have either directly involved themselves in the conflict or provided support to one or another faction. So it started off with Arab Spring, violent suppression. Uh, I remember when this was going on originally in 2011. We were covering it in world. (laughs) We did like world news in our what, what grade have I been in? Like seventh years grade, ago, or eighth yeah. grade or something like that. I yeah. remember this too. Yeah, and it was yeah. just starting off. And then um Yeah, and, and remember like the whole ISIS years from mm-hmm. like 2013 onwards. And that stuff was like crazy. That. Yeah. That was the the ISIS and all of those, oh my goodness, they're doing all this crazy terrorist stuff mm-hmm. was the reason we were, you know, the American people were behind us getting into Syria and doing all our stuff there. Uh <laughs> And Israel, Iran, Russia, Turkey, the U.S. have basically just made it their, their what battlefield a mess. just for the heck. Just what the heck an of absolute mess. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why go in there in the first place? What an absolute mess that is. Basically having the four superpowers of the world go into there. Yep. What a mess. Yep. Ten years. Millions of people displaced from their homes. Historic cities destroyed. Hundreds of thousands of Syrian Christians pushed out of their homes, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, Christians who have been there since, seriously, since the, since the times of like St. Paul coming to Damascus. Wow. Like that long ago, displaced from their homes, millions of refugees, hundreds of thousands of people dead. Um, and we're drone striking people from the air. The Russians have boots on the ground. Some dictator, right? And terrorist groups and... It's just like, um, yeah. Anyways, I, I don't even Crazy know how to, how to start with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I showed you that graphic of uh, all the different countries that are attached. Mm-hmm. See, it's so absurd. Maybe I'll be able to put it on the thing. But you have ISIS in the middle who everyone is like going after, yeah. right? Because they're, they're the Al-Qaeda-backed um, group in Syria. And so everyone uses them as the boogeyman <clears throat> to get into the war. Mm-hmm. So ISIS is at the center. Uh, the U.S. is fighting ISIS. Russia is fighting ISIS. Iran's fighting ISIS. Um, the uh, Syrian government is fighting ISIS. 
the free Syrian government, the, the rebels basically, are being supported by us, directly supported by us, and by Turkey, who's our ally. Yeah. Russia and Iran are directly supporting Syrian government, Bashar al-Assad. Um, then there's also this random North Syrian government thing that's part Kurdish, I'm pretty sure. There's other Islamic groups. There's Hezbollah, which is supporting the Syrian government. And they're, I think they're based out of Lebanon. Yeah, and so millions of people displaced and hundreds of thousands dead and drone strikes from, you know, Air Force Base Andrews in Denver. Like, you know, all that type of stuff. So it, this is just a, a current example and it's going on 10 years. Uh, okay, what's before this? Afghanistan, what's before that? Iraq, what's before that? Um, Yemen, um, Iraq again, uh, Vietnam, Korea, mm -hmm. uh, all these different other places. So we've just been doing these type of proxy wars post-nuclear era since World War II. Anyways, I, I just, since we're coming up on uh, nine years, 11 months, two weeks, and three days, that's how long it's been going on. So we're pretty close to 10 years, 10 year yeah. anniversary. Most of our That's uh, crazy. growing up age. Do you remember in, well, it was 2016 when ISIS was a big thing. Was it 2016? Do you remember? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I will never, I told you about this the other night and I'll never do this again. I think I've mentioned this before, but there was just one time where ISIS, this was probably four years ago uh, or so, maybe five years ago, where I went online and oh, yeah. I don't know why I did this in the first place. I kind of came to a conclusion that I just wanted to see what it was really like, what ISIS was really like and what they did to people. Cause you know, cause you hear it from all our politicians and everything, you know, Trump says they're chopping off heads, they're Christians, they're animals, which is all true. Um, and so I went online and I looked up this, this sounds terrible, but I, I just wanted to see what it was like. I looked up, ISIS chopping off people's heads. And I went to videos, Google videos, and it took me to this site. It was like this ISIS run site website. And they literally showed like 10 people with their hands behind their backs on their knees and 10 ISIS guys just ch cut their heads off. Literally saw the knife cut right through blood was gushing out and everything. I was like, I'm never going to do this again, <laughs> but I wanted to see what it was like. I wanted to see what it was really like. Because yeah. we hear all these different things from our politicians. But I actually went on a, an ISIS site and I watched it. And I was like, this is as brutal and evil as evil gets. Yeah. This is like Satan with his hand on the ball. Mm -hmm. That's literally, it's literally Satan murdering people. So you raised it. Go ahead. Well, it's almost like, I'm not saying it was good that you looked that up. But it's it's interesting because again it seems like we're just all so oblivious to like what happens outside of our little like oh, I let's wanted go to, to see what and, it was really like know. yeah but that's the thing is like I almost wish that there were more people that were aware of what's actually going on in the world and you know that there's more to life than they're you know just going to get go to Starbucks get their coffee go to work and come back kind of thing you know they have like no there's, idea there's so what's much really happening. yeah and it's just crazy because like. Again, they have no idea when it goes back, like bringing it back to like the veterans and having no idea what the families. I mean, like, and I mean, even to like, yeah, the CIA and different things like that. Like my uncle who was in the CIA who passed away, like how much it's impacted like my my aunt's family and just so many different things. 
you know, like, and so if it's almost good, like I wouldn't recommend looking that up, you know, again, because that's, that's pretty traumatic, but, um, but I just, yeah, I wish that there were more people who were more aware of what's going on. I mean, regardless of the wars or whatever else, like just anything outside of their little Starbucks trip and work and coming back home, you know? I think there's, there's nothing that I hate more than selfish people. Like for some reason, selfish people, I just have an absolute passionate hatred for. But that's basically our country. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you think about it. Because it's just like there's such a disregard for respect for other people. And I look at all of our veterans and we have 22 veterans dying a day. 22 per day. That means from the last time I worked at Crazy Mech six days ago, that's over a hundred veterans that have committed suicide. A mm-hmm. hundred in our country. A hundred veterans have committed suicide since last time I sat people down and had a margarita. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's really crazy. Over a hundred. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Here's a question. How does an ISIS come about? I don't know. I, it's, I think it's an it's, interesting. So I don't know. I mean, could we imagine a scenario where you have a, a a fringe rebel group in the United States who, in order to show force, cuts off their heads of their enemies? What would the scenario need to be like in the United States for something like that to happen? So imagine the United States mm-hmm. is nothing but bi- one big war-torn country. Mm-hmm. And there's been years, let's go back, years of war. People have been displaced from their homes. Could it be possible that you have a group who bands together under some ideology and in order to show force, cuts off heads and puts them online? That's crazy. No, I mean, could it happen? I mean... The United States will never become a country yeah. like the ones out in the Middle East. No, no, okay. Well, I'm saying under the assumption that something like that happened. Okay. Meaning meaning America lost all its dominance, and now Iraq and Syria are the major world powers, and they're making a war zone out of the United States. Mm-hmm. Could you see a, a group of individuals coming together under a common ideology to chop off heads, make a message, do terrorist attacks, to do anything to, to you know throw off Syria and Iraq who are making a war zone out of their country. I couldn't see that solely because of how our, the principles that our country was founded on. But if our, our, if our country doesn't have any control anymore, then if they do, then I could see anything happening. Well, yeah. Are we talking about like a modern day America where there's people in Ohio with Trump statues running in the back of their truck and guns all over the place? Oh, Is that what we're if, talking like, about? Imagine if China and Russia... Like the U.S. lost all of its military and everything. And China mm-hmm. and Russia were just fighting over who's going to win America. And the American people are caught in the crosshairs. And, and then they say, well, what can we do? Well, we're going to band together and we're going to show these Russians and these Chinese that we're not going to take it. And we're, we'll do acts of violence to get them scared. The U.S. would do that. Okay. Under any means. Now, let's, let's trans. No, this is in no way. <laughs> do not misunderstand this as being a. An, uh, an apology for this type of terrorism and stuff. But Syria for the last 10 years, plus the Middle East for longer, has been just the source, has just been a war zone of destruction. Mm-hmm. Generations of children have grown up in war-torn countries. 
And um, you could say it's partly a fault of their own. It's also a partly fault of America and Russia making their country a proxy war area. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden an ISIS comes up or an Al-Qaeda comes up or all these other type of terrorist groups, Hezbollah and whatever. And then people explain it as they're terrorist. That's not an explanation. Mm -mm. That's in no way an explanation. Oh, well, they, they say they're just Islamic radicals. It's like, okay, uh, does Islam, like where in Islam is it make terrorist group to fight, ward off major powers that are tearing apart your war-torn country? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I get it. There's some violent parts of the Quran and I've, I've gone through, I have the, the Quran's right up there, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it's like people just, once again, it's just like, it's a, uh, you got a third degree burn and you're wondering what type of ointment to put on it. We've made these countries war torn. And now we're wondering why things like Al Qaeda and ISIS come out of nowhere. I think if the United States, dude, I would be, I would be tempted to be a part of it. If, if the U S was the war torn country Mm -hmm. and China and Russia were you know, bombs are going off everywhere and we were getting destroyed. Like I would freaking buy an AR-15 uh, Oh yeah. and I'd get a bunch of guns and stuff and I would be part of the group. It doesn't matter. I, you could make it Christian. You could somehow justify it some way and I would do everything I can to blow up Russians. <laughs> and, you know, I bet some it people makes sense. would cut off Russian's heads. No, no, no. It makes sense. sense. No, that's no, that would be that would be appropriate. I think that would be completely appropriate. Okay, this is... I'm not advocating no, no, no. violence, yeah. but I'm saying that this would be is completely not appropriate. Well, this is just trying to p- provide a historical rationale mm-hmm. as to why an ISIS could come out. Like, you yeah. can't just say they're just evil terrorists. They are that. But you have to also provide a cause as to what got them to be evil terrorists. Well, right, okay. And, and the cause is, well, if we're going to make their countries war zones kill their parents and then when they grow up uh will kill their fathers right generation passes they have an ideology that they can rally around which is a united islamic um a united islamic front that can combat western powers then uh and you want to show them your force and make them scared then you do terrorist attacks in the west and you try and do your best to mark out your territory like that seems to be the reason why they're doing these things, which is which sounds insane, because it sounds like you're almost advocating for terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> that's the effect of this podcast. Um, Alex, we are not. For that's not what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. Don't take that out of context. But what, where? But I get what you're saying. Where does it come from? It comes from other powers destroying somebody's country. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Why? You're right. If there was if just because was, it comes from it does not justify it. Yeah, oh, yeah, obviously. But but what we're saying is like, if a country comes in and just totally destroys our country, right? And our, our uh, multiple countries come in and our country's war torn and it's just a mess. The natural reaction for a human being is to protect his family. What is the what is the number one job of the president of the United States? Protect his Play citizens. Golf. Play golf. <laughs> Play golf. Oh, yeah. no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Protect his citizens. That is the number one job that he has. If any everything else fails, his first job is to protect Depends the citizens on who's of his president, own country. But yes, I mean, actually, that's funny. the goal of the president. Yeah. That that is the idea. Now, if there was 
some sort of thing that happened, like you're talking about, other foreign powers coming in the United States is just a mess. It's war-torn. There's bombs. There's all sorts of stuff going on. It would be justified immediately for you to take up arms and protect whoever you have to. Now, if we're talking about forming a terrorist group that in, kills innocent other people, that's not right. Do you know, we would not. That's not right for you. It's not right for anybody. If it was the United States, I wouldn't be forming a group that went and just terrorized other people. I wouldn't do that. I would be trying to kill the people who are taking over and destroying my family and my land and other people. Okay, I what if the only option was car bombs and, you know, planes into buildings and stuff? But, like, you had no other real... I mean, you couldn't go at them head-to-head. Yeah. You try and take on the United States military head-to-head, you're going to die. Yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> I mean, people also were like, okay, what would possess somebody to ram a plane into a building? Yeah, right. Now, why? Okay. And people think it's completely unrelated to our Middle Eastern interest. It's like, okay, we, we've spent like years and years and years and years um, setting up governments in the Middle East that are favorable for oil trade deals. And we've you know invaded countries and all this type of stuff. And then there's this group that just appears, mm-hmm. Al-Qaeda. And their whole idea is to basically tell the Western countries to, to F off. Like, <laughs> get out of our land. Yeah. And by the way, the United States military supplied Osama bin Laden and the Mujahideen mm-hmm. in Afghanistan in the 70s to fight against the Russians who were invading Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And remember the Mujahideen, the Saudis, they're from Saudi Arabia. Osama bin Laden is not an Afghani. He's a Saudi. He went to Afghanistan to help the Taliban and the local Afghan government to fight off the Russians. Mm -hmm. The United States gave them millions of dollars to do that. Now, when that was over, Osama took all that money and that influence and whatever, founded Al-Qaeda, and their job, their their mission was to basically tell the Western powers to get out of their countries and let them rule themselves. And now... No, once again, this is not a defense of Al-Qaeda. providing the rationale. So they thought, okay, the governments aren't doing anything to step in their way, so we're just going to start doing terrorist attacks. And I've been to the place, so 1993, they they bombed the U.S. embassy in in Nairobi. I've been there. I've seen it. Um, And I've seen the embassy. I saw where it was blown up. I've seen the museum. And they they killed three Americans and killed 70-something Kenyans. So uh, it, it hurt the Kenyans even more. Mm-hmm. And then you had the, I believe it was 98, they tried to bomb the World Trade Center, which failed. And then 2001, obviously the the Twin Towers attacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, uh, the people who ran the, the planes into the buildings were trained at um, some of the best U.S. schools, right? And they were Saudi citizens. We have favorable relations with the Saudis. They trained here. They learned their aeronautic stuff. And then they flew planes into buildings. How does somebody get to that point? You have to provide a, a like, a, if you just in the conversation at mm-hmm. they're terrorists, they're insane, they're crazy, they're whatever. That's like, that's a conversation stopper. It's like, it doesn't give you any causes. It just assigns a moral character. It assigns an emotional response. They're terrorists. They do this. Like, how can you convince somebody reasonably to spend years learning aeronautic school to ram that plane into a building and kill themselves? 
Okay, how? Okay, there has to be is a that reason. completely unrelated to us invading their countries in the Middle East? And then, so, and this is not a defense of that in any way. Yeah, it's so yeah. stupid to say that, um, to even have to keep reiterating that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the reason why it ends up being a conversation stopper, is because when anybody starts to even talk about, like, how could somebody ram a plane into a building, the conversation stopper is they're a terrorist. Yeah. yeah. And then if you say anything more than that, you're being sympathetic with evil people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like, no. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm trying to, pu- pu- trying to figure out a reason. Like, how could I, how could an American citizen do that against a foreign country? Yeah. If it's completely impossible, well, we're the good guys. We would never do that. Yeah. I'm like, okay. But it's also sad because it seems like we're the ones that are just like, not the worst of them all, but like that we're the ones that are selfish and we're the ones that are like putting pressure upon everybody else. Cause I mean like, but then going back to our point before, like we're, I mean, not all American people, because I, I don't want to categorize us all, but we're just so oblivious, you know, because ever, ever since like 9-11, right, we've had so much more security and like, uh, like the, what is it, the airports and everything else. But it's like, that's just part of our life. Like nobody thinks that I have to go yeah. through this long of a line through security because this happened or the amount of paperwork or the amount of like crap that we have to go through for security is because of this. Like we're just so like. Oh, convenience and just like, oh, let's just live our lives. And nobody really notices these yeah. things. And like, that's why I would almost argue if like, if any of the countries were to go against us, like we'd almost be like, what the hell do we do? You know, because I almost like, okay, putting aside like the people who are trained for this stuff. So like our veterans and stuff like that, who are actually like aware of what's going on in our world, aside from those people. But again, most Americans are completely oblivious to what they even go through, you know, which is so sad. And like, and again, being a veteran, like uh, like a military brat, I mean, I just know so many people who have no idea what that lifestyle is like, you know, and it's it's just crazy, you know. And so, like, I would, you know, I have no idea if, like, any of the countries were to just randomly be like, all right, you guys are, you know, I mean, granted, we have, like, the biggest missiles and nobody's going to mess with America. But I'm also, like, I mean, not that I want to change topics, but it's, like, when it comes to, like, COVID, for example, and all the conspiracy theories behind that, it's, like, if this was all legitimately caused because of China and, you know, that they have some sort of reign over us and, like, they struck the fear into us and, like, everything else, it's, like, I mean, we fell for that so easily, you know? And, again, not to go into conspiracy theories and change the complete topic, but it's, like, I mean, I... I wouldn't be surprised if there were so many people who just wanted to come against us and would do anything to do it. And we would just have absolutely no idea what to do. Because again, we're so used and like almost so selfish and we just keep reaping the benefits from everybody that it's just convenient for us to live our lives and have everything that we have and have it so cheap or everything else that like nobody gives a damn. Like nobody cares that we're basically paying for these like, yeah, these kids or these older people to be basically abused and all this stuff in China so that we could just get things for cheap. You know, like, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's just so sad that we don't, we're not aware of it. We don't care. And if they were to come against us, we're like, what the hell's wrong with you? When realistically it should be like, what is wrong with us? There's a lot of things. And I mean, obviously one thing that's really, really crazy is if we think about the obliviousness of yeah. the United States. I mean, there's so many things that go on that we don't even have an, a clue yeah. about. We have a clue. It's crazy to think, and you bring this up, obviously, you know, we are literally buying products that 
are made in China. Mm -hmm. We are giving money to a system that is paying for child labor. Mm-hmm. But it's like paying can... for kids, toddlers yeah. that are half the size of me, yeah, and that are ten years younger than me mm-hmm. to work in these factories and be paid absolutely nothing. But you can Pe- also say the same about people who pay for Netflix or people who pay for anything else because it's so simple and convenient. But like we don't realize that half the funds go to like pl- uh, Planned Parenthood and for abortions and everything else. I feel like our morals and like our sense of like what true freedom actually looks like has completely been thrown out the door. So again, to go back to like the debate topic, I would 100% agree that the American experiment has truly failed. Because how could you look at a country that funds things for like, you know, for abortions to be a thing or funds things like, I mean, everything's from China and China is based upon it. The reason why it's so cheap is because there's so much abuse of children and they don't pay these people. And if they do, it's next to nothing. Like that's just like, that is not freedom. I want to go back you know? to your idea of obviously we're not defending Al Qaeda. <laughs> we go back to it's that. It's so crazy we have to like say that so many times. The, it should be assumed. I know, yeah. but <laughs> but it is crazy to think that there has to be some reason behind this. Terrorists don't become terrorists just because they want to become terrorists. That's a mouthful. <laughs> terrorists don't just become terrorists because they want to be terrorists. That's not built into the natural human being. That's not what humans are made. No human is made to do evil, right? God didn't make humans to do deliberate acts of murder. There'd be no point in us being here. You, but you force someone into a corner over and over and over again. They may just drive a car full of bombs at you. Yeah. 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 Like that that is just such a, so why, so why do we have terrorist groups like Al Qaeda and ISIS? Why? Why do we have groups like that? There has to be a reason, right? Because no human just naturally commits murder. But like you said, if you shove them in the corner enough times, like right. I so mean- what's the reason? Shoving them in the corner, right? What is the reason behind all this evil? These evil ways. Nothing. There's. I mean, everything you happens you for a reason. Too far. Like everything I mean, happens for a reason. It, just take it like kids at an L, like a, a middle school or something like that like mm-hmm. a kid gets bullied and bullied and bullied and bullied and bullied he might just show up with a gun someday yeah like and i i you don't it's not it's not some profound you need to like search into the depths of your soul psychology yeah. i think you just take you just extrapolate that experience of like okay well how do you get columbine well they weren't bullied bullied but they you know you end up with some you know really evil scenarios and stuff like that but they weren't so Okay, that you have that type of like fringe of humanity. But another thing I think, um, you know, you have situations like that where somebody's bullied so many times, they might show up with a gun or, you know, they're not well brought into society. There's not a society that's like forming them right. Okay, we know for a fact there's countries that have just been war torn. Mm-hmm. You know, their their parents were killed in the war. They were orphans. They got raised in this kind, so kind they of grew ideology. Up it's normal. They grew up thinking that's normal. And then thinking that death is really normal thinking that's war war is very normal i mean you want to look at like the worst parts of humanity just look at war i mean yeah <laughs> the worst the rape of nan king like you i i i remember shout out to uh dan carlin his hardcore history podcast which is fantastic if you haven't listened to this get away from the kalanak show and actually listen to something important uh <laughs> dan carlin he he had his series on the uh the war in japan 
and he started with like Japan invading China and stuff and the rape of Nanking and the atrocities and the evils that they did. I mean, just such unspeakable stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can't even say it. It's so absurd. But like, how do you bring a human being to that position? It doesn't come from them being in a nice, nice, you know, loving, cozy environment. It, it comes from them being put into an environment which breeds evil. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order to have, you know, something like 9-11, like we played a part in that it's that evil breeds evil. It's mm-hmm. not like evil just drops out of the sky. Like I, like I think like you're saying, it's humanity isn't wired to run planes into buildings. It's it's not. But if if uh, if you commit so much evil to these people over time, you may just have evil things come back at you. Now, the thing is, then you use that evil to convince the good people to support your evil adventures, mm-hmm. you know, your evil projects. And that's what I brought up in my my speech was um, the terrorists and the weapons of mass destruction and the bringing democracy and all this stuff is the propaganda to convince everyone to go along with it and to convince the soldiers to go along with it. Smirly Butler talks about it too. Um, yeah, so we, I'll, I'll bring it back to Smirly Butler again, mm-hmm. but. So by developing the Napoleonic system, the metal business, the government learned it could get soldiers for less money because the boys like to be decorated. So I don't know if you know Napoleon's idea that if you give a man a medal, he'll die for anything. Hmm. (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) in the World War, we used propaganda to make the boys accept conscription. They were made to feel ashamed if they didn't join the army. So vicious was this war propaganda that even God was brought into it. With few exceptions, our clergymen joined in the clamor to kill, 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 to kill the Germans. God is on our side. It is his will that the Germans be killed. And in Germany, the good pastors called upon the Germans to kill the allies, to please the same God. That was a part of the general propaganda built up to make people war conscious and murder conscious. Beautiful ideals were painted for our boys who were sent out to die. This was the war to end all wars. This was the war to make the world safe for democracy. Hmm. He's writing in 1939 before World War II. Wow. No one mentioned in them as they marched away that their going and their dying would mean huge war profits. No one told them that these American soldiers that they might be no one told these American soldiers that they might be shot down by bullets made by their own brothers here. <laughs> no one told them that the ships on which they were going to cross might be torpedoed by submarines built with the United States patents. Jeez. Wow. They were just told it was going to be a glorious adventure. Thus, having stuffed patriotism down their throats, it was decided to make them help pay for the war too. So we gave them the large salary of $30 a month. All they had to do for this month, magnificent sum was to leave their dear ones behind, give up their jobs, lie in swampy trenches, eat canned willy when they could get it, and kill, kill, and kill, and be killed. So, hashtag the definition of war. Wow. Yeah, he's so based. And, it, it, you know, he lived through World War One. He, he was a major general in it. Yeah. And this is him thinking back on it. So, um, and I, I said this at the debate, we no longer, we no longer represent what we originally stood for. Mm-hmm. And my point being in that is um, the America, the Republic, the, the values, the liberty, the Statue of Liberty, like progress and all this type of stuff. Um, we don't represent that anymore. We, we, we stand, we're, we're something else. We're, we're this global empire and stuff. Um, but 
you know, the beautiful ideals from the Republic are still there and they're still peddled out as like, we're, we're doing this to fight the godless atheist, you know, mm-hmm. atheistic Soviets, or, or we're, we're doing this to take down the evil terrorist terrorist in Syria, the ISIS that are attacking us. And mm-hmm. we're doing this to destroy Al Qaeda in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, by the way, we, we actually knew that, uh, <laughs> that Osama bin Laden was hiding out in Pakistan longer than, yeah, that's a whole thing. You know what he but, was? He was this hide and seek champion. <laughs> <laughs> Until he wasn't, and he got Until killed. Until he wasn't, yeah. Um, yeah, it's and it's hard to like when you start bringing morality into it. It's like you're. It's just so know. screwed, and it's funny because you say like like both sides. Yeah, regardless <laughs> of the founding fathers not being necessarily Christian, like there was still a sense of God in our idea of like what our like our morals looked like and like what our foundation like was set on but now i mean god is completely shot out of god has been reduced to parent planned parenthood clinics all over the united states which is just insane it's insane it's like and your question of like how do we get to a place to where you know these certain crazy things are normal and how somebody can have the guts to fly a plane through the Twin Towers. You know, like, but it's the same thing. It's like, how did we get to a place where we just consistently fund, you know, yeah, Planned Parenthood or China or all these different things? You know, it's just like, we just become so accustomed to it and just it just gets normalized in our minds or just like, we're just oblivious, completely mm. oblivious. And it's just so sad because, again, that's why I'm like so surprised that you know with the debate that you know that the american experience has failed that that the argument actually failed that so many people i mean granted you know i can understand what the speeches that were given and people might have you know a different idea of things but like yeah i would definitely side with the fact that you know the american experiment has failed and that these these morals that we originally founded on regardless if they were christian or not like deep down god was still involved but he's absolutely been shoved out of every area. I mean, you just look at the media and how the media basically runs our country. You know, I mean, with COVID and everything else, I mean, like, everyone, the fear that is stricken in all of us is completely driven by the media. And it's all godless. And if there's any sort of God that's it's part of it, it's completely censored. Like, you look at them, like, that's just, that's that's BS. That's a complete BS. You know, and that's normalized. Yeah, it's it's the story of our nation. I mean, it's the story of the word conveniency. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is, literally. Abortion is the definition of conveniency. <laughs> and especially in, the, in abortion, um, Planned Parenthood. So... People say, oh, well, 90, 97% of the things that Planned Parenthood does is like cancer screenings and all these good things for women. That, that doesn't even matter. Like if it's 1%, it's still death. It's still killing. Yeah. Where, where did we get to the point where we said it was okay to take the life? And this isn't even like the life of you or me. We're like 20 years old. Mm-hmm. I wish I was 20. I'm 22. I'm 23. <laughs> I'm getting old. We're old, dude. Yep. But this isn't even the story of taking (laughs) the life of a 23-year-old. This is the story of taking a person who can't even move, can't even live, can't even live. This is how egregious this is, is this is the story of 
I saw I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said since 1973, 50 million babies have been aborted. That is God putting his hand into 50 million little babies. He worked all that. Their DNA, their everything. He put hard work into that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, God. But at the same time, <clears throat> we have been in a society where it's been so... Evil has been so prevalent and normalized and normalized to the to the extent of things being convenient where a woman can walk into a Planned Parenthood and get an abortion and get out the same day. You, she can go in there pregnant and go out non-pregnant by just killing a baby the same day within hours. The same dang day. She can go in there, kill a life, and then leave. And it's crazy. Do you have any idea how many times that happens per day in the United States? Which is just insane. 500,000 babies a year are murdered. 500,000. And again, it's just, it gets, it's so normalized. But then it's like, what was that one movie, the unplanned or whatever? Well, I forget which movie that was, but it's Mm -hmm. like just seeing what it's actually like, for example, the abortions and like what that's actually like. And that it seems like, oh, it's just such a convenient thing. And like, for us, like, you know, for us women that might be like, oh, we have a baby and we don't know what the heck to do. And, like, it just seems like such a convenient thing to just fix it. But, like, all of the stuff that happens afterwards, I mean, like, it's so dangerous for just a woman's body to go through that, you know? And just, like, that's just such an example of, like... The emotional again, effects, too? Not only the emotional effects, but the physical. I mean, you looked at the... I don't know how many, like, of our listeners or just us in general have seen, um, like, the movie Unplanned. But it was, like, there was this one girl who, like, basically bled to death you know which is insane that this kind of stuff is just so normalized how is a like how was a woman going into the clinic to kill her child and then basically bleed to death normalized in our country let alone again like i've said a million times to fund for china to be abusing these people or for you know for any of this crap like how how was that freedom how was that normalized how how is that our definition of good now like, that's just insane. And then for all of us to be like, you know, social media and I get to share my pictures with my family because that's convenient and that's easy to, you know, but like, but then that's what drives our entire humanity. And then, for example, like COVID and all of us being isolated in our rooms for absolutely no reason, because there's so much fear stricken into our humanity and our society and that, like, you know, for example, like the new, like there's, there's rumors about the new streak or the new phase whatever it's called for the, the covid that oh my gosh it's more contagious but they don't look at the fact that a like, new strand the other strand thank you that the new strand of covid if it's more contagious it's actually the death rate is so much smaller but the emphasis that they put on is the fact that it's more contagious you know and it's just crazy that our our, our media our entire country the society everything's just so flawed so screwed and again like going back to what we were saying before if like any other country was to come against us we'd basically just be sitting here letting ourselves be fed with whatever they give us no matter what it looks like because we i mean we don't we don't know what to do and we're just given whatever information is given to us and i think that the whole this everything that we're talking about the whole reason behind this is a world driven by fear oh yeah that's what it is no matter if it's terrorists abortion, Mm -hmm. pandemics, (laughs) everything that we're talking about is a world driven by fear. Mm -hmm. F-E-A-R. Because fear has dominance over everything. Oh, definitely. It has dominance over everything. The reason why a woman goes to Planned Parenthood is because she is fearful Mm -hmm. of having a baby. Yeah. 
She it's fear. It's the number one thing. She's fearful. A reason why a country, its citizens of its country who's been war torn, rises up and commits acts of violence in order to save their family is because of the fear in them that something worse will happen. The reason why we talk about the United States and its global dominance, the reason why we have such a big dominance is because of a fear that something terrible outside will happen that will destroy the inner workings of our country. It's all fear driven. It's all, that's all it is. Yeah, all the evil in the world is driven by fear of something else happening. And just the confusion that's given by fear because the, the devil, the only thing that he wants is division. He wants confusion. He wants absolutely no peace. And, and I mean, that's the thing is like, we all get confused and for the abortion, for example, we think that the only option we have is this sort of thing because of the fear. What did Jesus say to the apostles? Right when they left, the, they were scared out of their minds when Jesus left. And he said, peace be with you. Yeah. Peace be with you. Four words. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite of fear. Mm-hmm. Do not fear, be afraid. Do not be afraid. Yeah. In the world today, we have such sadness and violence. Because of fear. Because of fear. That's all it is. That's mm-hmm. all it is, is driven, is by fear. Crazy. There's nothing greater than fear. In this country. We shouldn't live out of fear. Live out of love. No. And what would love do? Love would persuade a woman not to go to that clinic. And to hold on to that baby so she can have proper counseling. My mom is in charge, is the medical director of this clinic called Living Well Medical Clinic that counsels women um, after they get an abortion. Wow. Um. Uh, and I think also before too, counseling to not do that, obviously. And my mom tells me stories of women all the time, like just women are, it destroys them. Mm-hmm. And oh, you does. know what this, you know what the saddest thing behind all of this is, mm-hmm. is that the people at plan, pl- people at Planned Parenthood don't give a damn no. what happens to the woman after. Yeah. They don't give a damn about what happens to the woman. You come and get your abortion but we don't give a crap about what will happen to you after. We don't care if you get psychological effects. Or that you bleed out basically Or if you bleed death. out and yeah. die. We don't care. Just come in and we'll, we'll, we'll kill your baby for you. That's what we'll do. Do you know what a, a um, partial birth abortion is? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get pretty graphic here just to let you guys know. They basically get like scissors, stick it up a woman's vagina, mm. and cut the head off of the baby. Scissors. Where did we get to this point where we have such a disgraced, a disgraced mentality for a person's body? And it's crazy because you see those pictures of like the same baby that could be born, like you know, a, a um a baby that like a mother that wants to keep it, but it ends up being born early. Like my brother was born like I I can't remember how many weeks early, but like that is the same baby that they did the same thing, and it looks completely. Yeah, like a human, but it's crazy because not only do those scissors like hurt the baby, but it can hurt the placenta and all these different things in the woman's body. It and cuts again, off the flow of oxygen. It's yeah. just, they but basically- But not only does it harm the baby, but it harms the woman itself. And it's just crazy that again, we just normalize all of these things and that everything's driven by fear and everything else. But it's like, I guess the question I have is like, we have all this knowledge. We could talk about this all day long, but what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, what are we going to do about it? Because, again, we could talk about all this negativity and all this fear all day long. But us as Catholics and us who know the truth and who are who know that God is way above fear, 
Like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do about this? World driven by fear. And it ruins everything. Mm -hmm. That is so profound. Yeah. Like, why does the woman get abortion? Yeah. Fear Mm -hmm. of what could come with a baby. Yep. Like, why are we going all these foreign wars? Mm -hmm. Fear of losing our assets. Fear of... It's all fear. Dang, Kellen, you nailed it. (laughs) Fear is is a lack of... Fear is a lack of judgment. Like, if... If you, I don't well, yeah, know. It's just like, no it's, judgment yeah. there because it's all confused and it feels yeah. like it, it drives you to think that you only have one option. For example, like the abortion, because again, like you were saying, Alex, you're, you have a fear of like, what is it like if I keep this baby, you know? Um, fear immediately exposes someone's insecurities. Mm-hmm. That's what it does completely, entirely. A woman goes to get an abortion. She's fearful because she doesn't want to get this bad image of other of her other friends that are or her family anybody of her family anybody else that that think that okay well you know just go ahead and get an abortion it's good for you go ahead it's good for you there's just people are so indoctrinated and have no idea it's it's all fear it's all i keep on saying it but it is everything in this world that is evil is driven by fear and the convenience yeah because like Mm. it's so conveniency and fear yeah because it's so convenient for her to like not deal with what's actually going on in her life and for her you know for example to you know be with a man and end up having this pregnancy and then just being like oh wow i don't want anybody else to know about this so let me just conveniently terminate it you know and it's just like again it all comes down to the fear being driven driving everything and convenience as much as i want to hate women that have abortions i won't hate them but i feel so sorry for oh, yeah. them i feel so sorry because 99% of the time it's them being forced into it and for them being told that fear will rise in your life yeah if you keep this baby it's so sad no yeah because it's always what, like you what fear is about ronald what reagan had a quote he said that i notice that people who are support abortion have already been born yep <laughs> so i ask i had a friend of mine i worked in a radio station and she was pro-choice she loved abortion it's just sickening but i asked her so you love abortion right so why are you even here why are you on this earth if you love abortion where did you get that from if your mother loved abortion you wouldn't be here you wouldn't be alive if your mother loved abortion we wouldn't be having this conversation yeah. That's what I said. I said, we would not be having this conversation if you loved abortion. Because you wouldn't even be here. What a question. If you loved abortion, <laughs> if you love abortion, then why are you here? Yeah. Oh, my God. I said it straight to her that's face. A, I said it straight to question. her face. I said, that's such if, a you, question. if you loved abortion, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I've got a lot of shame, Fear. champagne in me, but I'm telling you, it's true. <laughs> yeah. We have to live out of love, mm-hmm. not out of fear. Yeah. If yeah. we truly, we need to, and that's why we just need to keep truly loving others. Yep. That's all we can do. That's what God asks us to do. Love is the greatest thing that has ever happened in this world. Amen. Yeah. I think that's a good way to wrap up an yeah. awesome podcast. Yeah. Wow. What, wow. what, what didn't we cover? Um, yeah. Live out of love, guys. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Kel yep. and Alex show. What can you say? Heck yeah. Hopefully next week we'll have Dr. B maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully. For COVID. Yeah. And um, 
this is going up on YouTube for like the first time. We're really excited yeah. about that. So That's if you're exciting. watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to us. If you're listening to us on Spotify, RSS, wherever else, mm-hmm. you can check out the video on YouTube.com slash Kellen and Alex show. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Peace out, guys. Peace out.